Hi, friends. Join us as we dive into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. With both a spoiler and spoiler-free analysis, there's something here for everyone. We are your hosts, Leah, Sarah, Tabby, and whether you're a new viewer or a longtime fan, welcome to Becoming Buffy. guys and welcome back to becoming buffy for our spoiler section of bad girls this episode oh my goodness i i know i talked about it in the spoiler free section but i'm just so excited for this section of the season because like we have faith in wesley we have faith in angel coming up even you know buffy and faith's relationship and dynamic it just everything gets so meaty right here and it just makes for great talking I think this episode is crazy because we see how good Buffy and Faith can be when they're together. Mm-hmm. And we also can see the chaos they wreak when they're, you know, yeah. together, but not in a good way. Um, but also this this episode becomes so important because this is Faith's first kill. And we really see a change in her after this episode. I mean, she gets a she gets a bit more blood on her hands after this, but I really feel like this is the this is what kind of tips her over the edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting to think that this moment in this episode is it follows and haunts Faith for the rest of her time in the series. And it's what she's mm-hmm. really wrestling with on Angel. I mean, obviously she tortures Wesley. She kills a couple more people until then, but this moment kind of defines her character arc for the rest of the series. And I, they just did a really good job of humanizing Faith um, and showing how she doesn't want to be going down the path that she is, but she's just so broken and so hurt that she's looking for anything to numb that. And unfortunately, it takes her down a dark path. But I also feel like um, like Sarah and I, and then uh, Leah and I separately were talking about um, Euphoria. Sarah hasn't seen it, but we were just talking about some things that, that she had seen from the show. But one part of the show that I really feel like is so important is um, Rue Zendaya's character mentions she was like, if you didn't know me, you would judge me based on the bad things that I've done. And I really feel like that encompasses all of what Faith feels about herself is like people knowing that she's a murderer view her as that and only that. And I feel like obviously this is an extreme scenario, but it's like if you hear rumors about somebody, if you don't know them, you're holding them to that ugliness that you hear, um, whether or not it's true. And I feel like with Faith, she brings up the fact that she's a murderer in like maybe good ways or bad ways the entirety of the show. She kind of owns that a little bit in season seven, but she even kind of mentions it to kind of like have people back off. She's like, well, are you a murderer? You know, like kind of it, you could tell that like it becomes something different to her over time, but she never kind of forgets it. She never like allows herself to move on from that fact. I think that she kind of just views it differently, but especially right now and especially until like the end of um, the two-part episode in Angel, like it's very much, she's allowing it to define her and to lead her. um, Consume her. And consume her, but also just like, it's a way of she's punishing herself and allowing herself not to move forward to that, um, but to stay in that um, thickness of it because she hates herself. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I feel like once you've done the worst, it's easy to continue doing that because you're like, what worse can there be? And so in her brain, she's like, well, I didn't mean to murder him, but at this point, everyone always, everyone's booing me as that. And so therefore, like, I'm just going to steer into the skid because I hate myself. And like, I, there's no way that I can like be Buffy. There's no way that anyone will view me as anything different. It's just she's such a complex character and I really have empathy for her and I honestly didn't for a long, long time. You made an interesting point, Tabs, when you were talking about Faith was like, I, I'm never going to be Buffy because I was thinking about that. I mean, obviously, there's the whole self-loathing thing. There's the brokenness. Yeah. But I think there's a whole aspect of Faith probably felt special for the first time in her life and felt powerful when she became a slayer and was like, oh my goodness, I'm part of something that only I have, that I am unique. I mean, I don't know when she heard about Buffy, but then imagine you hear that, oh, there's another slayer. It's not just me. And then you think, oh, I can have a commonality with that slayer. And then you meet them and you realize that they're amazing and they have everything that you've ever wanted. Established. They're established. They're grounded. They have the mother, the father. They have all this stuff, the friends. And you know, she talks about this later on. But it, I, there's a part of me that wonders if Faith chooses to go down the path that she does because she's like, this is something that Buffy is not, or at least this is, bu- this is a path that Buffy's not choosing that I want for myself. She's trying so hard to establish her identity and um, her path apart from Buffy. I'm not saying that it's excusable, but I'm wondering if that's part of the reason why she's like, all right, I'm going to explore this because I want so badly to have my own identity. And then can we just talk for a brief moment? I mean, we'll talk about it probably for the rest of the season, but just Wesley and Faith's friendship. Um, I mean, this is the episode that Wesley comes in. We talked a little bit about him um, in the spoiler-free section. I think we've talked about him in past spoiler sections. But the fact that Wesley comes in this episode, if you guys haven't watched Passion of the Nerds analysis of this episode, oh my gosh. So he does he he does video analysis on YouTube and he shows Wesley on the screen and all of a sudden he slows him down as he comes in saying Wesley Wyndham Price and you hear a voiceover of all of the iconic quotes of Wesley from Angel and you hear, would you like me to lie to you now? And all this other stuff. And it's kind of like that reminder that this character that comes comes in as like this bumbling, stupid, foppish guy who's a complete coward turns into somebody almost completely unrecognizable by the end of the series. And that even his and Faith's relationship is is a lot more um, nuanced and goes a lot further Mm -hmm. from what we see in this episode. Well, and I also just think that it's crazy because it's like, as much as Faith really goes through it, like Wesley really goes through it. Like, Faith gets put through a lot and Wesley, I mean, we just see him. It's like he starts out not feeling confident as a watcher. Then to have Faith who kind of goes off the rails so that he feels like as a fa- as a watcher, he's failed because he can't, you know, keep her on the rails. And then there's that whole episode where he thinks he might have to kill her. And like th- that whole thing, which is like, could you imagine if that was Giles and Buffy? Like what Giles would be experiencing? And then it's like, And then ends up being okay with Faith. And then he has like that whole mess with – wow, we are really going into spoilers story or I am. But it's like he has that whole arc with like Angel. And I mean I guess we can with Wesley because we're not really going to be talking about his arc, which is so sad. So I'm going to get this out of my system Yeah, do it now. But like (laughs) he has that whole mishap with Angel's baby and then it's like, you know, has all of his friends turn against him, which – 
I understand, mm-hmm. but I also understand where he's coming from. It's like, and then at the very end of the show, like in the literal last season, we find out that his father is awful and he almost shoots his father. And like, he did shoot his father. It wasn't his father, but he thought it was his father. I know, but father. he did, though. Yeah. yeah. In his like, mind, he like, shot his father. Yeah. <laughs> and then the literal love of his life that he's been trying to get since the literal, like, first time he saw her dies. In his arms, like, excruciating. If there is anyone that I would, like, say has the most tragic story, it's probably either him or Buffy. Mm-hmm. Like, they really, like, honestly, like, I guess – Angel, too, because he loses his son, and Angel really goes through a lot as well. But, like, Wesley, for being more of a side character and not the main character, mm-hmm. really is just a phenomenal character to well, observe. I'd I'd arguably say that Wesley has probably the most tragic storyline, because here's why. I'm not taking away from how tragic Buffy and Angel's storylines are, but the thing that Buffy and Angel always had for the most part, was friendships, was people beside them, was support. Mm -hmm. Wesley felt just to his core alone and felt burdened. And he felt like he had to be the one to think objectively all the time and to his fault for sure. Um, But when it came to like the whole Connor situation, like I, it's just one of those really well-written storylines where I really get it from his perspective. I really do. Um, But I also would be Oh, I don't even know how I would respond if I were Angel. I don't know if I necessarily love the way you responded, but like I like I understand his rage. I will say though, I sound like Leo when I say that. I will say, but I will say it kind of makes me upset and or I don't believe the fact that at least Cordelia wouldn't reach out to him during that time. It literally makes no sense to me. It, yes, like, it's not even a part where like I'm sitting there being like, "Oh, that's sad." Like it, it's just kind of like this. Make it like th- I don't believe this. Mm-hmm. Like it's just Cordelia would never, especially the Cordelia in Angel would never. Like she was so loyal, especially like it just makes me sad. Like watching season of one, one of Angel. Like I just look at him like, at, I mean, as as problematic as, as expected is. Honestly, it's kind of a comfort episode from Angel because it's like they're just like a little family. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, there's no way. And like how the close they got in season two when Angel was like off doing his own thing. Like all that to say, like Wesley, I think has the most tragic storyline for sure. Um. And it's some of it is his own doing, but it's not that he was like being selfish. And what I mean by his own doing, meaning like he caused it, but I understand why. Um, and I think that's what makes him the most tragic. I think that kind of goes with the themes of each show that they're on. I think if Buffy were on Angel, she would probably be more tragic and less hopeful. I think the way that yeah. Buffy ends the show, it gives hope. The way that Angel ends, it's more mm-hmm. tragic. And I think that's why Wesley's character arc as a whole. I think if Angel had gone on for another season, like they were talking about bringing Fred back and stuff, I think that we would have seen – I think um, Wesley would not have died. I think there's a lot of things that would have changed and Wesley wouldn't have been quite as tragic as he was. But I think the way things ended, yeah, like it's it's pretty sad. Kind of bringing it back to Faith and Wesley, it's really interesting to compare – their arcs because I think that Wesley in season three of Buffy is 
kind of looking down on Faith for the choices that she makes. He's kind of like, oh, this is a rogue slayer. And it's very black and white. That means we need to bring the Watchers Council in. means we need to take care of her, get in there, arrest her, all this other stuff. Like there's very little grace. There's very little compassion. Um, and because Wesley at this point has very clean hands, he hasn't gotten his hands dirty or anything. He's not able to relate and understand with what faith is going on which I think is another reason why it's so powerful later on in, um, I think it's, was it Orpheus where he breaks faith out of prison? It might be Orpheus or the episode before that. They just connect on a much different level because at this point, Wesley has been through some crap and he understands. And they're for the first time, it feels like Slayer and Watcher. And so I kind of love how both of them have their own redemption arcs. Both of them go through the darkness and come out the other side. And there's a lot more grace, a lot more compassion and understanding and not quite as much judgment, but, you know, always accountability. And kind of what Sarah was saying, like, it's so crazy to see the difference between, you know, their dynamic in this season and the sheer lack of respect on both ends and just the, they don't see each other. They do not see each other. And then it's like in the end, like they just – I think that there is an understanding kind of like what Sarah was saying, like just where they're coming from and what they've been through and both of them just being like, all right, like let's start over. All right. So a couple small things. First of all, I want to say I feel like they were really hyping Angel up in this episode. Like I feel like this is the first episode that it was like, yes, we have a spinoff show coming and we want you to know his name is Angel. Like Angel is cool too. I just like – I keep cracking up at all the epic shots that they kept giving him and the, that will continue for, through the rest of the season because you know they're like, come watch our other show with Angel on it. So we talked a little bit about this in the spoiler-free section, but the whole what will happen if a Slayer kills someone that was talked about in TED, should the Slayer be held responsible if it was an accident and they were doing their job. Um, It's interesting. I love how even though – and we've talked about – I think, Leah, you've talked about this before, how Buffy – doesn't really understand fully the darkness that Faith goes through in this season until season six. By the time they see each other in season seven, there's a little bit more of an understanding between them because Buffy has actually like had to fight through um, her own darkness in a way that she never has before. But I will say it's really just really cool to see how consistent Buffy remains even when she is fighting herself and um, is trying to wrestle through depression. She maintains the same standard that killing a human life is never or killing a human is never acceptable. Um, And we see that, I think, specifically of dead things when she thinks that she kills Katrina. And Spike is even trying to tell her something similar to Faith where he says, look at all the people you've helped. It's just one person. Like, why do you need to go turn yourself in? And Buffy's like, no, trying to hold fast to this line and say, killing someone is never acceptable. I need to go turn myself in. And I think she's probably thinking of faith in that moment going, if I am expecting faith to go experience the consequences of her actions, I need to be consistent and do the same thing, even if it was an accident. Um, and then I also think of selfless as well. Um, just when Buffy goes to kill Anya after Anya has killed all those frat boys. And I absolutely love that episode. I think it's so underrated, but just the gravity 
and the solemnness and even the compassion that Buffy views Anya's whole situation. She's willing to sit there and listen to Anya and Xander, but at the end of the day, she knows that's a line that cannot be crossed. And I I think at that point in the series, I know a lot of people judge Buffy, which I do not get, for her harshness in that episode. And they're like, wow, she's like so willing to go kill Anya. And I'm like, she was willing to go kill Angel. It's also been episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Of her being a vengeance demon. Yeah. And like she was being very gracious, but the fact when she like slaughtered dozens of people is when she crossed the line because she was like, I don't want her to get to a place where she's killed so many people and it's going to get harder for me to have to kill her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I really feel like it was actually a wisdom call. And we'd seen a couple episodes before Buffy going to Anya's house and telling her, hey, things are going to get really serious. I don't want my friends to be alone. Like she calls Anya her friend. Like it's very clear that she cares about her. Um, and so I really love that episode. I love that it shows that Buffy has only gotten firmer in her convictions, but she still has compassion too. Yeah, I – I definitely would say that at least like from what I've seen in the fandom and stuff, I feel like people are a lot more forgetting to Anya than they are to. I agree. I can't Faith wait to talk stuff. about that. I just don't understand Which I mean, because here's the thing. I, I really liked Anya and I really love a lot of things about her character, but I do think that people are so quick mm-hmm. to kind of forget a lot of stuff about her. Yeah, because Xander left the her at the altar. The fact that she chose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And forget the fact that she chose to go back to being a demon. Yes. She's not in this episode, so we don't have to talk about her. But I do think that, yes, Faith does some crappy stuff. But I do think that sometimes people are harder on Faith's character than others. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm actually really excited to talk about Anya because I think that the fandom doesn't talk about her enough. So, um, And kind of in that line of thinking, Buffy is talking to Faith in this episode. And she says, being a slayer is not the same as being a killer. And that is really an an interesting thing that's explored in season five when Buffy's going, oh my goodness, like, am I not capable of love? Do I just kill? Is that all I am with the whole death is your gift? And then in season five in the gift, when she tells Giles, I guess all the Slayer really is, is a killer. And Giles just tells her, "I, I just don't believe that. I don't believe that for a minute. And then we have the beautiful payoff of the gift, which shows us that Buffy she is not a killer. She actually does love. And then just kind of like a little thing when um, Faith is talking to Buffy again in that same conversation and says, tell me that if you don't get in a good slang after a while, you start itching for some vamp to show up so you can give him a good, uh, you know, and then, you know, Buffy's all kind of like uncomfortable with that whole concept. It's the whole Slayer is a Slayer, a killer thing. And then again, in season five, Buffy versus Dracula, they start to lean into that. When Buffy wakes up in the middle of the night, she can't sleep. So she goes out and she goes and hunts down a vamp. And then she's finally able to go back home and go sleep. And I think that's exploring that whole um, darker side of the Slayer, the side that um, is part demon that we also see in season seven. Um, and it, it kind of proves that Faith is right, that there is a darker side of Buffy that does need to be um, embraced in a sense. But more on that later. But I also think a lot of that is tied to having a death wish. Like, I really feel like if I were in that situation, at a certain point, you kind of start playing around with the idea of death because you kind of have to think about sure. it. Um, but then also like fighting so many people, you have to also think about like, I could die in this fight. Like you have to think about the idea of death. And so there has to be some sort of like death wish. Hmm. 
You know what I mean? Like, I really feel like that's partially why Buffy and other people are able to think clearly in situations because they're not necessarily afraid that much of death. I don't think it's a death wish. I think it's like you're at least comfortable with the idea that you don't want to die, but you're aware that a a different word. You're you're at peace with the fact that you could die at any point. Yeah, when you're Buffy and you're constantly almost dying. Like you're able to think a little bit more clearly because you have a little bit more of a relationship with the idea of death. Yeah. I think also there's a confidence there for Buffy. She knows she's good. She also is confident in her abilities. And by season five, we see a very different Buffy, a Buffy that is embracing even the darker aspects of the Slayer. Um, And I say darker, but I don't mean darker as in like, you know, evil. I mean that there is an aspect of darkness in the sense that you're going out and killing demons. That's not like, you know, puppies and butterflies and rainbows, you know? She's more self-aware at that point. Yeah. And she's okay with that side of herself. Yeah. 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 Well, she's also been through 10 times more than, you know, season two Buffy. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then also, so we have that moment when Faith stabs Alan Finch and Buffy yells no. And there's the whole like, did Faith hear her? Could Faith have stopped? That whole thing. Well, this is kind of mirrored in Doppelgangland. Um, When Buffy goes to stake Vampire Willow, Human Willow yells no, and Buffy stops herself and is able to kind of display self-control in a way that allows her to like hear Willow. And I think that's kind of a neat parallel to Faith in this episode, showing that Buffy is more of a balanced slayer. She's not completely out of control. She's still capable of exhibiting self-control. I think I was just going to say, ultimately, I think that we just see in Faith this kind of passion And I think that we just see her. I mean, she's talked about many times how when she's slaying, she kind of gets in this zone and she builds up a lot of energy. And like, she'll talk about how she is like, has a huge sex drive after or whatever. Like it's, we're seeing that Faith very much feeds on the energy and the rush of slaying. And I think that we're seeing like, obviously the fruition of that is that she just is unable to stop herself in that moment. I don't know. I disagree. I don't see that moment as her disregarding and or not really listening. Um, I just kind of see it as her just kind of like not really processing and then being caught up in the moment. Like, Well, that's what what I mean. If you're so – but you get to the point where you're so unaware of your surroundings, that's a lack of self-control. You know, I'm not saying that she heard Buffy and is like, no, I'm not going to stop. I'm saying that she worked herself up to the point where she couldn't even hear Buffy. Like that's that shows a lack of self-control and a lack of self-awareness, which is a huge problem for Faith. And it's something we've seen since Faith, Hope, and Trick where Faith keeps getting blindsided by other vampires or she doesn't see that Buffy's being attacked in the corner or, you know, she's just – she just doesn't think about other things and she doesn't live her life – self-controlled enough to be able to stop herself if needed. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, When you explained it more, that made more sense. I thought you meant like she wasn't self-controlled, meaning like she was too caught up in the moment and therefore didn't really care. No, no, no. Because I definitely think Faith cared, at least how I interpret it. I think she cared. I just didn't think that she processed it. Oh, I absolutely agree. And I think that that's a huge flaw on her end because you need to be like aware of who you're killing at all times, obviously. For sure. Yeah. Well, because well, when when you said that was a parallel to like Buffy, I think it's hard because I feel like Buffy is 
almost too fault too aware sure. of other people. And so I think for her, it's like she's very in tune and people are talking to her or her surroundings sometimes. And so if someone's going to say anything to her during a fight or like stop, like she's going to be more inclined to stop. I'm not going to say all the time, but like she's more inclined to stop and listen than Faith would be. Well, and I think that shows growth too at the end. I think in season seven when Faith shows back up, she tries to stake Spike at one point and Buffy tells her to stop. Or like comes in between, I don't remember the exact scenario, but Faith does actually like stop and listen. And I think that shows just Faith is a lot more cautious in season seven, a little bit more wary. And it's kind of cool to see. We talked about in the spoiler-free section how Buffy, like her behavior kind of changes after she's almost drowned, how she's wearing leather jacket and starts wearing more leather throughout the rest of the episode until the very end. Um, which is kind of cool if you think about the fact that what does she wear in the final fight versus Faith? It's that whole leather ensemble. And I think that's very, very intentional. Well, and Mm. I think it's interesting too because we definitely saw the beginning of this season more so than any of the other seasons, a very like girlier palette for Buffy. I mean, because she's always had a more girly style, but she's also like she's worn, you know, the leather jacket. She's worn the, the pants or she wore like like a checker, not checkered, like the flannel uh, like shirt, like leopard print in season one, yeah. or like the flannel shirt, the over. Like Buffy is definitely not just girly; like she has mm-hmm. her like very tomboy like looks as well. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting because they really wanted to contrast, you know, face entrance and stuff. Um, and so I like that we're now seeing the clash of Buffy and uh, face outfits in the future, which is going to be really, really cool. Well, and if you think about it in the series too, like we've talked about how Buffy's hair and her wardrobe tells a story throughout the seasons. Um, we don't really see Buffy wear a whole lot of leather. Like even think about her fight with Angel. She's not wearing leather there at all. And then she goes to fight Faith. And obviously she has like the black leather jacket. She has the red leather jacket or the red leather pants. Um, and I think that's her kind of embracing that harder side. I think leather kind of, if we're going to get like literal or not literal, but like more black and white. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I think leather in a way almost symbolizes her slayer side. And then when she's wearing the more floral, the preppy, that's more of like leaning into the, her human side. And so it's interesting to watch in season four, she doesn't really wear a lot of leather. She wears a lot of like florals and it's also the season she dates Riley who's a human. She's trying to be normal. Yes. I've always viewed season four as kind of like, it feels very different. Yes. Buffy's trying to be focusing on her life. She's in college now. Like everything's a little bit more towards like her wanting a life and trying to striving towards that. She wears a lot of florals. She wears a lot more colors. Like she wears a little bit more pastel blues or like baby blues or like light pinks. Like I feel, and I also think she's kind of trying to prove to herself that she's okay too after the whole like darkness of season three. And I feel like sometimes it feels like it's like she's overcompensating a little bit. It feels a little bit like Buffy. And I'm not saying that she isn't those things, but it feels like Buffy is kind yeah. of trying on a different style, a different type of life before season well, five happens. Yes. Leaning into that side of her, but she's rejecting the other side of her. And I'm not saying that that's not Buffy, like you're saying. Like they're definitely like I'm like I, this isn't this isn't not Buffy, but it's not fully Buffy. And that's how I kind of feel about season four. Yeah, and I think that fits with the season. 
like theme that they were trying to go for. I think it is a transition. It's it's kind of a growing up season. So it, it works for what it's trying to do, but it doesn't work well. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll save that for when we talk about season four. But kind of what I was trying to say was her leather looks will appear more and more in season five onward. As season five progresses, um, like it just shows that she has embraced that side of herself. I think about even like in season seven, Buffy wears leather with denim very. And so you have like that softness of the denim, but then you still have the leather with it. And I think that it's supposed to show that at this point in her life, Buffy has embraced both sides of herself fully. The usage of leather in general is kind of interesting with characters Mm -hmm. because can you guys think of the only time that Willow wears leather? Yes, I can. I know I'm going to break your heart. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Well, it's the one where Oz leaves. Oh, that's not the only episode she wears leather, but yeah. Well, no, I'm not talking about like Doppelgangland because that's not really – I'm not talking about Doppelgangland either. I'm thinking about the episode. What are you talking about? I owe you pain. Oh. Mm. That's not even – I know. I know. No, I I was talking about she – Oh, let me feel that. When like her and Oz in the beginning were kind of like in this weird – like tension thing in season four um mm-hmm. in the very beginning of the episode of when he's like gonna like you know have the whole character assassination moment um I, they have I'm like that little morning that episode i think I that's know, like the number one episode I that i just don't want to yeah. talk about i'm like honest to god okay with skipping that one and just being like you guys can watch it make your own opinion yes, seriously <laughs> literally i'm like please don't put us through this. right i will watch um the weird like sex house one um, Seriously, well, because I think that actually has some meat. It to does. It. I think it's weird. Yes, but it has some meat. It to does. It. Um, but anyway, they have like that weird moment where like they weren't like intimate, and he was being all weird, and she thought it was like her, and he didn't find her sexy, so she comes in wearing like leather pants and like a black floral shirt, and it's just like sad. I'm like, oh, like she's trying to be something she's not, and trying to like be dark and mysterious and like I feel like it's just kind of like even though it wasn't supposed to be like she wasn't really like sexy or trying to be sexy in the moment it was just like her trying on something to be attractive to him but it wasn't like her coming and trying to seduce him you know what I mean it wasn't like a whole like faith moment but you could like you could definitely tell it was Willow trying to be that version Mm -hmm. that isn't who she is and she felt uncomfortable and it just makes me sad but I didn't even think about Tough love? That's what it's yes, called. Yes, tough love. That's the one I have the script for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Wardrobe is so interesting. I do not remember which episode it is. I need to look it up. But there is an episode earlier on in season six that Willow wears the exact same shirt that she wears when she's dark Willow later on. And it happens at a really yeah, it happens at a very significant time. I want to say it's like when Tara leaves her or when she's relapsing or something. It's it's a very like specific choice. Like they have no her choose that shirt to be the one that she wears as dark willow. Like there's a really like specific I, I feel reason. Like for I would it. have remembered that. Yeah, I'll have to look it up. I saw someone like someone posted a comparison. I was like, that's the same shirt. And it's very like it's very obvious why. I just can't remember it. But if anybody remembers, please let me know because I'm trying to remember and I will look it up because when we get there, because that's obviously very important. But yeah, I just, I absolutely love things like that. Okay. So speaking of Willow, did you guys catch like the little like dark Willow foreshadowing nod in this, in this episode? Neither did I until I went back and like actually thought about it. And I've seen this episode so many times. So Buffy was 
in the classroom and she's talking to Willow and Xander and she says, it was intense. It was like, I just let go, you know, and I became this force. I just didn't care anymore. And Willow goes, yeah, I know what that's like. And Buffy's like, no, I, I don't think you do. And it's like, hmm, no, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I mean, maybe at this point, Willow doesn't know exactly, but Willow's obviously very capable. I think she's capable, but I, I definitely think Buffy's right. I don't think she does know until season six when she actually does that. I don't know because I think about becoming part two. I think there's a part of Willow that became this force and that did kind of let go. I think it's similar. I don't mind the whole metaphor as addiction in season six. I know, Sarah, you disagree. That's fine. Um, but I don't mean that to be – No, you're fine. Totally fine you <laughs> I know disagree. it's true. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like my tone comes nope, out I get way it. I know harsher you. than I ever mean. For listeners, I, they're like, wow, they're <laughs> so mean to, to each like other. <laughs> no. no. Um, I really feel like people underestimated what Willa was actually going through. And I really feel like that is a pretty real correlation to real life where like people kind of – kind of like what we talked about earlier. It's kind of like people – holding people to what they're doing or what they disagree with and like holding them down to that, but then understanding, disregarding the pain and what they're going through at the same time and what's causing them to do those things. And I really feel like everyone kind of views Willow or even like when Jonathan, when she was literally like (laughs) driving the truck behind them (laughs) and he's like, he's like, I just like, she's Willow. Like, yeah. You know, like like that's Willow who is doing this. I just never would have thought. And I really feel like everyone kind of thought that and chose so she like literally almost killed Dawn. I don't know. I Like when Buffy says those things, like as a viewer, we can see that kind of like fermenting in Willow a little bit. But I really feel like no one bat an eye unless you were Giles. Um, and then just a couple other things. I mean, when they're having – Buffy and Xander are having the conversation. She keeps mentioning Faith's name and Xander's eye twitches and he puts his hand over his eye. Like I know at this point they weren't thinking about giving Xander an eye patch, but there are so many references throughout the show. No, it really mm-hmm. is crazy. Like it's like little stuff. Yeah. But it isn't it also because isn't he supposed to like represent the eyes or something? He is the heart. Isn't it supposed to be like he's the heart, but he, because he's the heart, he sees everything. Yeah. Yeah, he you see with your heart kind of thing. Yeah, the representation. Yeah. So whenever he like uses stuff with his eyes, it's it's just kind of crazy. Okay. And then I wanted to talk about how it's just weird. I don't know how exactly how I feel about this. I mean, I think I do know how I feel about this, but the show, both Buffy and Angel, every time they show a girl dancing in a seductive or sexy or whatever way, it's usually meant to show that the girl is going down the wrong track and that she's bad. Like I think about when she was bad. That she's losing it. Yes. Oh, then she's losing it. I think about this five episode. Five. I think in uh, Faith, Hope, and Trick, they're like, ooh, this is the unhinged, the dark slayer, whatever. And then do you guys remember Dirty Girls in season seven when Faith takes them all to the bronze or him? Yeah. It's just – it's kind of a stupid cliche and it's kind of like sometimes people dance because they just want to dance, dude. <laughs> And why is it always girls? But also, like, they go to the bronze literally, like, every single episode in the first few seasons. But for some reason, the only times they dance in the bronze is when they feel like 
killing someone. Well, they have moments where they're dancing. Like I know both Spike and Angel have like stalked Buffy when she's dancing in the bronze. But it's pretty funny because it's yeah, like – Yeah, but that's the only times we see them. Yeah. Them being stalked or sexy dancing. Literally no other time. I don't think we've ever seen them just casually all of them Well, dance. there's that one time in – again, um, I think it's Dirty Things um, when – the whole balcony scene and they're looking down and everybody's dancing below and it's Spike and Buffy. I know. I'm sorry. We have to bring that up. Well, let's breeze yeah, right but past they're that. not dancing. Yeah, but everybody else is. It's the whole- <laughs> They're definitely not dancing. <laughs> it's a different kind of dance. Not the way that they were doing it. <laughs> Another parallel to like the first time that Spike ever saw Buffy, he was stalking her while she was dancing in the spotlight in the bronze and mm-hmm. that whole like metaphor of now she's in the shadows with him as he's still being predatory towards her. I mean, yeah, this is, sorry, whole tangent. Okay, I will shove that for later. We will talk about it. But um, I just – I do want to say though, like why don't they ever show Wesley dancing when he's like going off the rails? Could you imagine Wesley like – It's because he's a man and it's a sexist thing. Goes into um, what's Lauren's uh, karaoke bar or whatever and he's like over there like doing dirty dancing because he's like – they're trying to portray that he's going off the rails. Like That would be really funny. Yeah. All I think about is Angel and his like silly goofy dance in season one of Angel. Um, so the last thing is, I know we talked about in the spoiler-free section how this is the episode that Faith was supposed to commit suicide. She was supposed to actually hang herself, and Buffy was supposed to find her because she was so um, upset about killing Alan Finch. And I think it's really interesting that they kind of reuse or use that storyline in season seven, and they have the first evil coming to Chloe, one of the potential slayers. And she hangs herself because she feels like there's no hope and there's no way of them getting out of there. Um, And I think it's interesting how I'm sure the writers were like, oh, hey, let's use that concept we were going to do there and use that in season seven. Um, And I think that like it is an interesting concept to kind of think about in the sense that like these slayers, these potentials have this weight and this responsibility, these like literal children. And they specifically chose a potential who seemed younger. I mean, they all are young, but like they didn't choose like Kennedy or something. They chose Chloe who talked about how she absolutely loved Tigger. He was her favorite Winnie the Pooh character. And like they chose a very youthful girl to show the weight and the pressure um, that is put on these girls. And I think that that's supposed to be yet another little tie in with Faith because I think we forget that Faith is so young because she has this this persona and this bravado that she puts on that you're like, oh, she seems much older than what she is. And so I think that I know season seven again gets a bad rap and um, we'll talk about that scene when we get to it, but it's a good reminder that these are girls, that they're young and that it's so unfair the amount of responsibility that's being placed on their shoulders. I mean, yeah, I that's what makes me want to cry. Because it also makes sense and it's also like, you know what, there's already so much that teenage girls have to deal with. It's like – and then, you know, obviously in the supernatural sense what they have to deal with in this show, it's like there's absolutely no way that there hasn't been other, you know, slayers that haven't killed themselves. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, that is spoilers for Bad Girls. And oh my gosh, it's just going to get better from here. I absolutely cannot wait. As always, guys, you can find us um, on TikTok, on Tumblr, 
on Instagram at Becoming Buffy Podcast. You can email us at Becoming Buffy Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we want to hear your guys' thoughts. What are your thoughts on Wesley's arc? What are your thoughts on Faith's arc, their friendship? Um, even just the various things we talked about here. It's just so fun to hear from you guys. And I'm really enjoying all the emails that we have been getting. So with that, you guys have a great week and we will see you next time.